Welcome to a special election edition of Perspectives on Coast Community Radio, 91.9 FM Astoria and 89.5 FM Tillamook. I'm Lisa Smith. On today's show, which was pre-recorded, we'll be looking at the bond measures that will be appearing on election ballots in Clatsop County in November. We begin with the $20 million bond request that would help move the county jail from Astoria to the former North Coast Youth Correctional Facility in Warrington. Here to talk about the specifics are Clatsop County Sheriff Tom Bergen and Jail Commander Matt Phillips. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for having us today. Nice to have you. Clatsop County voters will be asked in November to approve a $20 million bond to move the jail from Astoria to Warrington, which will raise property taxes by 21 cents per $1,000 of assessed value on each home in the county which pencils out to be about $42 per year on property with a county assessed value of $200,000, correct? That is correct. And the bond is to be retired within 21 years from the date it's issued, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so let's move on to why the jail. Why move the jail and what's wrong with the current jail? You bet. Well, first of all, thanks for having us and we appreciate your viewers and we're here to try to explain away some of the myths and some of the things that go on within a jail. And jails are not a sexy place, you know. Nobody really wants to have a jail, but unfortunately our communities all need them. Uh, We have a pretty high crime per capita rate here, number one in uh, some crime areas, number four in others, and number six in others. So we are a very busy, busy county. Uh, With that comes uh, individuals that uh, take up space in the jail and that utilize the uh, Uh, jail on a daily basis. Uh, We're very busy. We do about 2,500 bookings a year, and uh, which is a lot for a county of 36,000 people. Uh, The the downtown jail was built, well, a a bond was passed in 1976, and it was um, about 1980, and it was due to be, um, and it was put online, and it was due to be about a 70-bed jail uh, with restraints and constraints uh, financially, they knocked that down to 29 beds. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it was full the day it opened, and um, they pushed ahead with it. Originally, it was built to be a um, multi-level jail, and as years went by, we figured out, well, not just me, but jail experts in every arena, figured out that you don't want to bifurcate your workforce by putting them on different levels of, of a facility because you have to basically have the same amount of people on each level uh, to maintain the integrity of of the Oregon State jail standards, the OSSA jail standards, and so on, things that we have to abide by daily. So the jail was immediately over over uh, booked, and um, it was there was just no room at the end. How many beds do you have there so now? Currently, during the years it went up, it fluctuated quite a bit, 60, 70. I've seen it as high as 90 people in there Yikes. at one time. When I became sheriff, um, I, I asked the board of county commissioners to put a cap on it because it was just too dangerous. We were having too many fights. We were having too many corrections officers hurt. We were having just all kinds of things, um, and we weren't able to segregate and uh, put people into the the right areas um, by um, organizing them in, in certain crime uh, manner. So currently we have a 60-bed jail, but that doesn't mean we actually have 60 beds because if somebody has – TB, tuberculosis, or maybe AIDS, or has a mental illness, or um, we can't put um, people that have committed the same crime together. Um, uh, we can't. Uh, there's just so many different rules. So a lot of times we'll be full at 45 or 50. Unfortunately, though, we are constantly, our daily ADP or average daily population is running about 
um, 75 to 80. And that is another huge problem because we're actually going over the cap and we're releasing anywhere from three to six, seven people a day, uh, putting them. So when somebody brings somebody in, we have to figure out, okay, how are we going to make room to put in this new person? So pretty soon we've, we're saturated uh, with people waiting trial due to many different circumstances, whether it's because the defense attorneys have held off because they know they can usually get a better deal if they keep their guy in there for a year or two instead of going to prison for 10 years or whatever, depending on the the, the, the level of the crime. But there's just so many factors that boil into this. And go ahead. Well, I was going to ask uh, Jail Commander Phillips. He, he, you're, you're overseeing this jail on a daily basis, is that right? That's correct. So... Do you see uh, a lot of stress uh, that goes on for both the workers and the uh, and the inmates? I mean, uh, is it a very stressful situation because of the, the, the cramped quarters? Well, certainly. Uh, as we talked before the show, I, running a jail at full capacity is very difficult because uh, I compare it to building a three-dimensional puzzle where all the pieces have to fit, even if they don't. And so we end up housing people... Uh, with other defendants that that aren't a good fit, and so that creates stress amongst the inmates. Uh, having every you know room in the facility full adds to the tension um, and and the workload for the staff as well. What would the new jail bring? The new jail would bring uh, much needed space. Uh, it would bring uh, much more hospitable uh, living arrangements for for the inmates as well. Uh, currently, our, our medical staff has to give all of the inmates uh, vitamin D, uh, supplemental natural light coming into the existing facility. And so if we can do some things to make uh, the living arrangements a little more natural, uh, that will reduce the stress for the staff and the inmates. Sheriff Bergen, you have uh, tried to get a new jail twice before, to new, haven't you? And they've, those bond measures did not pass. Did Correct. They? One, I was the under or the chief deputy uh, with Sheriff John Reichel, and we tried then. And then we tried again um, about six years ago, I believe it was. So the um, third time's going to be a charm, possibly. I think so. Uh, the, we learned, you know, if you sit back and you and you look at the people that have passed other bonds or have had other bonds fail in this area, and I use the college as a perfect example. Um, I, for one, am for the college, um, but I was and I wanted to see that expanded and and you know put our money towards a good college education around here for all these kids. Um, but I wasn't for a brand new campus, this grandiose deal, and. Um, I wanted to see, let's see what we can do to, to make this a great place for them to come and learn, but also do it at an economical, you know, in an economical way. And so that's what we kind of looked at. By, by going saying, to Warrington, you'll be saving a lot of money, do you think? Exactly. We, we, by taking over, we're recycling a building. We're using the old Oregon Youth Authority building, and um, we're going to be able to put a building within a building and also use parts of the current facility to make this a, a more usable place, a more user-friendly place. you got to remember it's just not about inmates and corrections deputies. We have mental health that we want to be able to bring in, which would expand. We also have um, doctors. We have lawyers that have to come in and represent. We have clergy. We have, you know, cl- uh, classic behavioral. We have so many different entities that come in and work there that um, we're hoping to be able to make this, you know, and by learning from the college, you know, going out and going out and going out and going out, it's like 
finally they got it. And it's like, let's reuse what we have. Let's recycle what we have and do it right the first time. Well, what would the $20 million actually go for? It won't go for the uh, these people you're talking about. It won't go for the physicians or the mental health workers that are going to come in. It's going to go for the infrastructure only, Structure, right? right. And so how are you going to arrange that? Go ahead, Matt. Well, our architects and engineers tell us that by reutilizing the existing OIA building, that we will be able to build this facility for approximately half of what it would cost if we were starting from scratch. So that would be a good value to the to the county. Do you have to buy the building, or is it, is it owned? Is, it go, is the state going the to give it? The building's a really interesting dynamic. Uh, the state owns it, technically, but the county owns the land underneath it. And there was a reversionary clause put into it many, many years ago when the state came down and built their, their building, uh, which has been you know defunct for about a year now and just empty sitting there. And so if they were not to maintain it and run it as an Oregon youth prison, um, which I actually believe in because I think if we get kids earlier in, in life, they're more apt to turn themselves around and become productive citizens. But with that all said, it didn't work. Um, they closed it. I worked with Senator Betsy Johnson for the last two and a half years to try to get this up and running. And I think we've got a really good idea of what's going on. And so I'm hoping that um, when we pass this bond, we'll be able to um, move this forward. And So the state is going to let you so, yes, I'm sorry, use the, the, state, the it's, facility? It's a re, no, it's a reversionary it's clause. A reversionary. We will actually take back the building. The I county see. will. Because it's on county land. Right. Okay. And yes. so it does come back into our hands. I want to ask you how you respond to critics. There are more than a few out I there critics. who say that we do not need a large new jail, just a better, more effective utilization of the space we have. And one critic is former Clatsop County Commissioner Bob Westerberg, who wrote in a letter to the Daily Historian, and I quote here, Clatsop County does not need a new jail. Clatsop County needs smarter incarceration. The plan for a new jail, almost three times the current capacity, is ludicrous. Our county is close to the same size population as when the current jail was built. Money would be far better spent for increased mental health programs. He went on to write that it is the care and feeding that is the real expense. Also, a county jail needs to be located near courtrooms for frequent trial appearances from the facility. I think these are all really good points, and what's your response to them? Well, he's correct in some ways, but in other ways, he's way off. He needs to come in and sit down and work in that jail for one week. I, I would ask him just come in, actually even visit the jail for a, for a 12, eight-hour shift, and he'll see how busy we are. We are number one crime per capita in the state of Oregon. In uh, Is it person crimes? Or for behavior crimes. For behavior crimes. Number so, six for person crimes. So if it's behavior four. crimes, is it is it mentally ill people? No, I mean, it's no. more like you're talking DUIIs, um, uh, you know, uh, disorderly I, conducts, things like that. I think I could answer some of your uh, those questions. So for one, uh, Clatsop County is uh, a leader in the state for pretrial justice reform. And we started a pretrial release program about a year ago in September. And the purpose of that program is to identify uh, individuals to be released from jail um, at nice. or before arraignment. Uh, and the idea is to use an actuarial risk assessment to make these decisions. Um, so you and, let and the them idea, out before their arraignment to just, but you, you, right. you so it's to, a risk, but you know what the risk is. Yeah. So to, to, to make reasonable judgments on people, um, and to keep them out of jail because there's mm -hmm. a, a good number of people that will not benefit from spending their entire uh, pretrial time in custody. Uh, there's research that shows that if you do your entire pretrial period in custody, you're going to be uh, receiving about twice as long a sentence and that you're also much more likely to end up with a prison sentence than a similarly situated person that was on release. 
uh, our program has been very successful. We got a 95 percent, 95.7% uh, safety rate, meaning the people on supervision pre-trial do not commit new crimes. Well, and then we've it cuts. Our, then it sorry to interrupt, but then it cuts down on the number of people in the prison in the jail. Well, um, but that still has not met the need uh, locally. So, so we release uh, 450 plus individuals, force release them that do not meet uh, release recommendation. Uh, so they're they're getting uh, released out into the community, and they're they're judged too risky by the judges at arraignment. And also, you know, another dynamic that Bob has probably forgotten about. And, and, and we're talking about nice, Bob, the writer of the letter. You mean right? Yeah. He's a, he's a nice man, and I understand that. But things have changed dramatically in the last ten to fifteen years with uh, methamphetamine and all these other drugs that have come in, and the mental illness. Mental illness um, defaults upon the jail, and we. Basically, since the state has failed in their responsibilities, we, it defaults to us, so we take care of them. Another issue is when I first started 30 years ago, and what Bob's probably kind of referring to is, is that there was no females in jail. You know, maybe one, maybe two, if you were lucky. But now it's 25 percent of our population. Oh, yeah, that changes the dynamic immensely. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, and he, the other point that he makes: a county jail needs to be located near courtrooms for frequent trial appearances from, from the facility. I'm wondering how the prisoners will be transported to and from their court hearings because we, we, you're talking about getting them from Warrenton up to right. Astoria. We we um, have a shuttle that we run anyway. We also look at Tillamook County. They're far away. There's so many jails that operate. Um, you know, on that type of basis. And uh, so it, it, that won't be an issue at all. And uh, one final, well, actually, I've got two final questions. What will happen to the current jail if this passes? Well, we have a lot of interest, actually. Um, um, we're hoping maybe somebody like 4-H uh, who's interested. Um, there's different entities that are looking Maybe it at, could become an arts center. That would be I really would great. I would love that. Wouldn't that I be love terrific? art. And I love reading. I love, you know, <laughs> yeah. anything like that would be great. We could turn it into all kinds of different... If, but it's just, it's so small and so tiny for a, a jail. It's just not conducive for our uh, community any longer. Well, I won't ask my other question. I'll wait till later. But anyhow, we'll have to leave it at that. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us today. Clouds right. County Sheriff Tom Bergen and Matt Phillips. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thanks so much it's for being great. here. If you're just joining me, you're listening to a pre-recorded one-hour special election edition of Perspectives on Coast Community Radio, 91.9 FM Astoria and 89.5 FM Tillamook. I'm Lisa Smith, and I'm speaking with proponents of the four bond measures that will be appearing on the general election ballots in Clatsop County this November. We just heard from Clatsop County Sheriff Tom Bergen and Jail Commander Matt Phillips on the $20 million bond request for a new jail. Up next, a discussion of Ballot Measure 4197, which asks voters to decide whether to approve a $70 million bond to improve Astoria's public schools in a number of ways. With me to talk details are Astoria School Superintendent Craig Hoppus and David Ozer, an Astoria School Board member and co-chair of the Political Action Committee, Yes for Astoria's Kids. Welcome, Craig Hoppus and David Ozer. Thank you for having us. Thanks for being here. I'd like to start by talking about the bond's estimated cost to taxpayers if it passes. As I understand it, the current school bond, for which property owners in the Astoria School District currently pay $1.83 per thousand of assessed value, expires next year, 2019. The levy rate for the new bond, if passed, will be $2.83 per 1,000 of assessed value, so a dollar more, which will average to about $47 per month or about $570 a year on a home assessed by the county at $200,000. The new bond will expire 25 years after it's issued. Also, the state will provide a $4 million matching grant if voters approve this measure. If they don't, the funds will be diverted to another school district, correct? That is correct. So, 
How will that $70 million be spent? Well, our priorities for the bond, um, just very briefly, went through a year-long process of with community members, business owners, parents, staff members, went through a year-long process on prioritizing the projects with an architect firm. Um, the, the main three priorities we have is around safety and security, making sure that our schools are safe. Um, at this point, um, the way uh, the world is, we need to make sure that um, we monitor our schools a little bit better than what we have been um, based on the way the facilities are built. Um, I have Astoria High School, for instance, has 77 doors that come from the outside to the inside. Um, and that's because it was built in 1958 when we didn't have the concerns that we do now with school safety. Right. So how will you change that? Well, as part of the design of the facility at the high school, um, it's going to be designed in a way that kids will have no choice but go through certain doors during the day. And it'll be designed in, designed in a way so that kids ha will stay inside when they walk from building to building because of what will be built. It'll be indoor uh, enclosed hallways. As a longtime superintendent of the school district, is this, is this the thing that keeps you awake most? This I have mentioned that in numerous occasions, that this is, this is the area that keeps me awake and concerned the most. Um, because we've had, uh, over the last two or three years, we've had lockdowns, and a lot of them don't have anything to do with what we've done. It's outside sources that have to, we have to protect our kids from. Right. So along with that, we have camera systems, electronic doors, um, those type of things that we need to do. Also, one of our schools will all have secure vestibules, meaning when someone walks into a building, they automatically have to walk into the door or walk into the office because of the way the schools will be built. Right now, you walk into any of our buildings, you can pretty much go wherever you want. That's right. Yes. That's right. At least at the high school, it's the one I'm familiar with. Sure. You're also going to be doing a bunch of other things. Maybe David Ozer could. Sure. The um, probably the most single most important thing we have to deal with is the middle school. The middle school was built in 1968, and no work was done on it uh, for with the bond proceeds from 20 years ago. The classroom wing there consists of a number of classrooms that are very small, that are triangular shaped, that have in either one small or no windows at all to the outside, and where the ventilation is very, very poor. And there's no cooling at all, just heating. And the, the um, Inter internal conditions there are really unpleasant. We intend to tear that entire wing down and build a three-story modern facility for um, the instructional uh, uh, studies that will have a, a light and air and be healthful and have room for conferences and all sorts of different classroom configurations. We're going to do some work on the rest of the building, but not not tearing it down. We're also going to firm up the foundation. It was built on fill, and the foundation is not in ideal shape. This isn't the middle school you're talking yes, about. Yes, the middle school. And now the population hasn't hasn't increased since the school is built, but it's just a the building has aged considerably. That's that correct. True? There's not a capacity issue at Astoria Middle School. It's just the aging of the building and the needs of the building. A along with that, what Dave, can I mention one more thing? Please. A along with that, what people need to understand is the average age of our buildings in the school district are is are thirty six or excuse me, sixty three years old. 
That's how old our buildings are. Nearly 100 years old, I read. That's correct. And one of our schools is only 18 years old, so that tells you how old the other buildings are. I have a building at Astor Elementary that was built in 1924, and 19, or, uh, yeah, 1924, um, has original boilers in it, and all the windows are original. It's a beautiful building, but we need to be able to upkeep and take care of those right. buildings. Um, and we have those type of infrastructure issues all over the district with electrical ventilation, like David mentioned, windows, roofing, um, and this bond will take care of that. One of the things I'm most interested in is the fact that you'll be uh, you'll be making these buildings more vocaf- more ready for vocational and technical learning. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Sure, that's another one of our priorities. Um, we know that, um, like other educational institutions, um, we have to provide students when they go through our system or graduate from our system to be ready to be able to work. Some of them choose not to go off to to college. Um, Our current facilities at Astoria High School specifically are not built in a manner that will provide any type of vocational type classroom work um, within our within our within our school system there. So um, we we've put two classrooms where we can make them more into a multi-purpose vocational type pre-engineering technology, agricultural science, industrial arts type classrooms that our kids will be able to gain the skills they need um, through our building while they go through their K through 12 education. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to be upgrading our science labs at the high school. Those, those science labs were built in 1957, 58, and oh they my. have not been upgraded since. So a big makeover there is, is necessary well, for what, today's what, science. How will, how will it change? Uh, I imagine that you'll increase ventilation because of uh, chemicals and so on, but... Um, Ventilation and the ability for students to be able to do hands-on activities because they'll they'll be a little bit larger classrooms, so they'll have lab space, which currently they do not have the lab space right now. They were built in 1958. Oh, wow. And that'll give our kids another set of skills that they haven't been able to attain just because of the facility itself. It'll certainly give them the leg up for college. Sure. And um, what? why is it so important, do you think? Uh, Why is this so critical? this bond issue the you know buildings suffer suffer a good deal of wear and tear in in general in this climate and especially school buildings where there are so many people going in and out every day and and so many children the the buildings many of the systems have come to the end of their useful life and there are many upgrades needed the thing is that in the state of Oregon bonds can only be issued for capital improvement purposes which is to say for the construction repair renovation of buildings and equipment even more importantly this is the only source that a school district has to make these kinds of capital improvements. Our annual budget, over 80% of it goes to uh, personnel costs, and our the amount of money that we have each year for maintenance is about $150,000. One of the one of the minor things in terms of the overall uh, bond cost that we're going to do is resurface the track at the high school. That track was last resurfaced in 1989, and that those resurfacings have a have a life of you know 10 or 15 years. If we were to spend, if we were to do that out of our budget, it would take four or five years of our budget just to resurface that track. What will happen if this bond measure fails? What's the worst case scenario? The none of this work will be done, and we would have to go back to the voters soon um, and ask for probably more because inflation keeps in, in increasing the the uh, cost of construction, and there's really no substitute. These buildings and these systems 
don't don't fix themselves. How do you respond to a fixed-income retiree who lives in the district and has no children in school, who thinks things are just fine the way they are, or at least doesn't want to pay for the changes you're recommending? Yeah, I think the latter, and, and I understand it. I mean, this there is some additional cost here. What we do there is two things. First, we explain how the costs are going to work. As you mentioned in the beginning, um, the, the cost, the, the repayment of the bond is based on a dollar amount per $1,000 of assessed valuation. When the old bond was issued 20 years ago, the it cost $2.53 per $1,000 of assessed valuation. Over the years, that amount fluctuated. The school district refinanced the bond twice to get lower interest rates, and of course, the overall assessed valuation changes essentially every year. Um, so that in the last um, uh, period, last tax period, it cost $1.83. So we are going to, the new bond, which people will not begin paying until the old bond expires, will be $2.83, or a dollar more per the uh, $1,000 of assessed valuation. That is about, if you have a $250,000 property, and it's residential and commercial, that would mean you would pay an additional $250 per year um, than you're paying now. The, the benefit of this, this bond is not just for the kids, not just for the parents, not just for the staff, but it's for the whole community. Communities, we believe, are in competition with each other, and what they compete for is talent. And talent is not just artistic talent or, or athletic talent, but really the, the talent for people who are who are work hard, who are good citizens, who really want to contribute to our community. They are attracted here by our natural resources, by our climate, but, but also by our amenities, and by none more than the school system. And if people look at a community and they say, these folks do not take care of their schools, we're going to lose out. We're going to lose out to other communities that do this kind of thing. And so we're going to fail really our important. children. We're going to fail our children. Yes. And oh, absolutely. Potential. Yes. Um, well, I'm wondering, before we close, if there's anything you'd like to add that we haven't covered. Superintendent Hopp? Um, I mentioned a couple of things that was mentioned before. Um, two things. One is um, David mentioned that the 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 price per thousand has gone down to a dollar eighty-three. I strongly believe, as a superintendent, that we have to be good tenants to our taxpayers' money. We refinanced that bond twice in the last twenty years. H- to build how this, difficult is it to refinance? Anyhow, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's fairly complex. Sure, isn't and it? you have to do it at a certain time so that you save the community and the taxpayers' uh, money. It was done right after the bond passed nine, twenty years ago, and then we did it about four years ago when the interest rate was just right. So there's that part. The other part, and you mentioned at the beginning, is um, the district will receive a four million dollar match. It's the most that we can receive if this bond does pass. If it doesn't pass, then it gets, like you mentioned, it moves on to another district. So that's important also. Mm-hmm. David Ozer, anything to add? Yeah, we, we haven't discussed all of the um, improvements that are going to be done. At, at Astor School, we're going to be building new kindergarten classrooms because uh, we're that's the only place we really are at capacity. And we're also going to refurbish what's, what's now called the old gym into a cafeteria and, and multi-purpose space. That's the only uh, really one of our facilities that is structurally unsound. If you get rid of the old gym, will there be a new gym? There is a second gym, and that gym, that, that space can be used um, for other purposes besides the cafeteria. I see. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. I'd like to thank my guests, Astoria School Superintendent Craig Hoppus and Astoria School Board Member David Ozer for sharing their valuable time and insights with us. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck in November. Thank, thank you. you. 
You're listening to a pre-recorded one-hour special election edition of Perspectives on Coast Community Radio, 91.9 FM Astoria and 89.5 FM Tillamook. I'm Lisa Smith, and I'm speaking with proponents of the bond measures that will be appearing on the general election ballots in Clatsop County this November. We just heard from Astoria School Superintendent Craig Hoppus and Astoria School Board Member David Ozer on ballot measure 4197, the Astoria School District's proposed $70 million bond. Up next, a discussion of ballot measure 4198, which will ask voters to decide whether to approve a $32.4 million bond, which, if passed, will help the Warrington-Hammond School District ensure student and staff safety while addressing overcrowding and planning for future growth. With me are Warrington-Hammond School Superintendent Mark Jeffrey and Warrington-Hammond School Board Chair Debbie Morrow. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Appreciate the invite. I'd like to start by talking about the bond's estimated cost to taxpayers if it passes. And you'll correct me if I'm wrong about anything. The current school bond, for which property owners in the Warrington-Hammond School District pay $0.64 per $1,000 of assessed value, expires in 2022. The combined levy rate, if this bond passes, will be $2.68 per $1,000 assessed value for an average of $44.66 per month, or about $536 per year, on a $200,000 Hunt County assessed home. The bond will retire in 2050. And the state will provide a $4 million matching grant if voters approve this measure. If they don't, the funds will be diverted to another school district. That's correct. The only uh, other thing I'd like to say is we actually had to push our number up from 32.5 to 38.5. We had our, uh, the 32.5 was the original number that came out this last uh, uh, fall a year ago, actually. Hard to believe it's been that long. And then this last spring, we had our consultants who uh, were doing those numbers for us. And with the... uh, increasing costs of uh, construction school construction in particular based on a you know a shortage of uh, contracting companies and and uh, just a general increase in that area we're looking at 38.5 million plus the four million dollar matching funds for a total project of 42.5 oh my yeah and yet the tax levy will be as, and as the numbers I just you quoted are correct quoted. for the 38.5 number yes okay good so how will this money be spent well, the uh, main part of the project would be a 6th, 7th, and 8th grade middle school on uh, about 54 acres of upland property. Uh, when the board started this conversation, gosh, uh, really five years ago, and then as we, we saw some increases in enrollment, we went from classes of 55 to 60, 65 at, a, at the high end to 100. We had a couple, uh, uh, three classes in a row that hit about 100 coming in as kindergartners. And we've seen that sustained. It's leveled off a little bit. We're running about 80-plus right now. Well, so this seems like such a population explosion, is it? It, it is a steady growth. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, uh, we're over 1,000, and uh, I think the last count was 1,049, which is an increase of about 34 students this year. And it's the highest that I know of, looking back through the data that the district has had in enrollment. So The highest in its history. Mm-hmm. Wow. So far as, from the information I have, I don't know, back before they kept the records, it might have been bigger, but I don't think <laughs> Prehistoric so. Prehistoric times, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, so what are you going to do with the money? Okay, yeah, like I said, we're going <clears> to, <throat> the, the uh, we had a community facility study committee that brought forward a recommendation to the board last December to uh, purchase uh, Upland property to build, eventually build a, uh, a K-12 campus, everything on one location. Um, when you say Upland, you mean out of the out of the tsunami, tsunami inundation, inundation zone. zone. Yeah. Most of the property we're looking at starts at about uh, 40 feet and runs up to about 55 feet. And in Warrington, that's nosebleed elevation. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so, and, but 
it's going to be broken up in three phases. And the first phase is to purchase the property and to build a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade middle school. And then we'll do some repairs on our other buildings because this is going to be probably, uh, at minimum, I'd say a 12 to 15-year process at the far end, maybe a 20-year uh, process. And so our other buildings are going to be in use during that time. So the rest of the money will go to uh, get those in a condition where they can last through the lifespan of this uh, long-term plan. Besides tsunami preparedness, safety and security is up there in, in terms of the issues that you're facing and addressing overcrowding mm-hmm. and needed repairs and career and technical education for future jobs. Yeah. Maybe you could talk about some of that. Debbie? One of the goals of our school district has always been to maintain smaller classroom sizes, uh, especially in the lower grades, one through three. Uh, we know data shows that if you have a lower number of kids in a classroom, the educational experience is just better. And that has always been our goal to parents. Um, we like to maintain that throughout every grade, but we realize that that's not possible at times. So overcrowding truly is one of the biggest issues. Uh, we also were blessed with a grant that one of our high school teachers, Mr. Johnish, received this past year for a CTE um, Facility structure. It's uh, called the uh, CTE revitalization grant. What is that, a CTE revitalization? It is a competitive grant through the uh, Oregon Department of Education, and uh, it's used exactly for that to to look at programs that either don't have or need improvements to, and we were a don't have uh, really adequate CTE programs. We've done some pretty good work in uh, the high end where we had uh, laser printers and plasma cutters and... um, uh, 3D printers, that's what I meant to say. You have 3D printers. We do. We have a series of them both at the high school and at the elementary. And But that was really what our CT program was limited to. We did under, underwater robotics, uh, wow. ROVs they call them, at, again at our elementary through high school. And, and then we had a uh, an autos club that met in one of the small bays of our bus barn. And that's one of the things we'd like to see expand is our and turn that auto autos club into a full-fledged autos program along with welding we've had to uh, transport our kids out to the Mertz campus uh, to get their uh, welding and then eventually we'd love to see a woods a trades-based woods program as well wow that's fabulous yeah it's very ambitious yeah we're we're blessed we were donated a 60 by 120 metal building uh, 60 foot by 120 120 foot metal building uh, as part of this uh, process and then some community members stepped up and helped clear the uh, uh, old f- uh, building out of the way. The fire department uh, did a burn to burn to learn or learn. Yeah, not learn to burn, burn to learn. <laughs> <Right>. And uh, <laughs> some of the local contractors uh, came in and, and helped uh, clean it all up, clear it out. So we're hoping to get going on that. Excellent. And um, what, why is this so important? Do you think uh, what's so critical about this bond? Why why does it have to pass? Do you suppose? It really is about the future of Warrington and the future of our children, ensuring that they have a, a 21st century education, um, ensuring that, again, like the programs Mark's talking about, there's CTE, there's a robust STEM program, there's robust sciences and math and so forth. If you look at the students that we're graduating now, uh, 58% go on to universities. I think there was 62% go on to the military. So we want to continue educating and graduating kids ready for this global economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, that, you know, uh, Debbie talked about it, that, that as we, right now our, our um, 
We, we have the sixth largest K-8 building in the state of Oregon. The, the larger ones are in Portland, Beaverton, and then one in Bethel outside Eugene. And uh, we're, we're about middle of the road as far as, uh, I think we're the 98th. There's 197 districts, and we're District 98 by size, so we're right in the middle of the pack. But we have the sixth largest K-8. We have uh, over 800 kids in that building right now, oh my. which is, you know, uh, it's, it's just amazing. And um, moving um, that middle school out is going to help create space so that we aren't um, so compressed. And, and it's real easy to tell. Uh, you come by, and we've lost about half our playground to modulars. We've got 12 modular classrooms in, in uh, six modular buildings out in the back. And uh, this is an opportunity to eventually you know, phase those out to real classrooms where kids are able to uh, get that 21st century education. Mm-hmm. What will happen if the bond measure fails? What's the worst case scenario, would you say? Yeah, plan B is a tough one because we don't have a lot of uh, other options. The, uh, the property that we're looking at that this bond would pay for is really the only parcel of uh, this size in, in the Uplands area inside the school district at urban growth boundaries. And uh, I think the longer it sits there, the less likely it is it'll be available. So that's certainly something. And, and really for us, um, um, because most of the district properties either do or will set inside the uh, new Senate Bill 379 tsunami inundation zone line where you can't build, uh, the only thing we'll be able to do is put in modulars. And uh, again, we don't have a lot of space for that in our current sites. You're fundamentally hamstrung if this doesn't happen. It's challenging, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked our guests who were here to talk about the Astoria School Bond, and that is, how would you respond to a fixed-income retiree who lives in the district, has no children in school, and says things are just fine the way they are, or at least doesn't want to pay for the changes you're recommending? First thing I do is invite them to come to the building, and I have them show up at about uh, 7.45 when the kids are flowing in, and then go through our breakfast cycle to see... When the kids are in their classrooms and, you know, everybody's doing that, it, it, it doesn't appear to be as cramped as it is. But when you see the common areas fill up in the mornings and afternoons, it, there's really a need. We know this is a, this is a, a lot to ask, but it's the, it's the smallest and we believe the most responsible ask that we can make. Uh, we're looking at just a three-grade building, which is, again, the smallest that we think is educationally uh, feasible. So I, I don't have a, I wish I had a really great answer for it, but it's just, we, we need to do it. And it's, a, it's, we believe, the board believes that it's the, the most frugal long-term investment for the district. And also when we spoke with the Warrington City Council, we discussed the fact that the school facilities are the emergency facilities. And if you recall in 2007, when we had the hurricane, we did open up our campuses as an emergency site in Warrington. So this is no different. So if you don't have, if there's not a connection to the school um, with children or grandchildren, there really is community-wide. Our, we open our gyms to community members. Every, I think the gym is used every single day yep. of every single month. So if we had three or four more gyms, I think we'd, we can still feel Certainly, it. yeah. Community be a meetings are there. So it's not just a school in and of itself. It's where the community meets. Community resource. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And if, it's, if you go, if you do, when you do move up to the Upland uh, area, that will be a tsunami evacuation zone for the entire community, exactly. isn't it? Yes. Going to be? Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, before we close, is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't covered? Well, just to remind people to get out and vote. Uh, Debbie, is there anything else you'd like to say? When is our community meeting? 
Uh, I think it's October 17th. We are having a community meeting October 17th at the high school, and we invite everyone to come out and tour the facilities and see our architectural plans for the, for the new bond. Anything else you'd like to add? Okay. Well, I, again, too, I just think that it's, uh, when, when the board started this conversation, uh, it, was, it was about overcrowding. It's mm-hmm. about our capacity issues, and that's not going to change. Uh, right now, they have uh, over 700 uh, housing units in the approval or pre-approval process. Most of those are within our school district. And uh, so in the next three to five years, just based on that, we're looking at a, you know, an additional uh, 300 to 350 students in the district looking at our normal capacity rate, which is about 2.5 persons per unit. And if that 0.5 is a school age or will be a school age okay. child, then, uh, yeah, we have that growth coming. So, oh, yikes. Yeah. Well, I'm wishing you lots of luck in November. Unfortunately, we're out of time, and I want to thank you, Warrington Hammond School Superintendent Mark Jeffrey and Warrington Hammond School Board Chair Debbie Morrow for being with us today. Thank well, you. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. If you're just joining me, you're listening to a pre-recorded election edition of Perspectives on Coast Community Radio, 91.9 FM Astoria and 89.5 FM Tillamook. I'm Lisa Smith, and I'm speaking with proponents of bond measures and new taxes that will be appearing on the November 6th general election ballots in Clatsop County. Up next is my interview with Skylar Archibald, Executive Director of the Sunset Empire Park and Recreation District. He's here to talk about bond measure number 4196, which, if passed, will raise $20 million to expand the Sunset Empire Recreation Center in Seaside. Welcome to the studio, Skylar Archibald. Thank you for having me. Let's start by talking about money. You're asking people in South Clatsop County, South Clatsop County voters, namely the people who live in the Sunset Empire Park and Recreation District, correct? That's correct. Yeah. To approve a $20 million bond, which will raise property taxes by $0.70 cents per $1,000 of assessed value or $11.60 per month, almost $140 per year on a $200,000 home. And this bond is to be retired within 20 years, right, by 2040? Oh, that's correct. Yep. Excellent. Okay, so let me know exactly what you want to do with this $20 million, please. Yeah, so... What we're really striving to do with uh, this bond, if, if it's approved by our voters, is to bring um, expanded recreation facilities, indoor facilities specifically, to the residents of South Clatsop County. Right now, there's a, a shortfall of indoor recreation space, and although the Park and Recreation District strives to serve our entire population, we struggle to do so because we don't have a lot of indoor recreation space in South County. Uh, we have the Sunset Pool, which is about 40 years old, and that's kind of always been the the heart and soul of the district. And it provides great programming for all ages, from uh, youth who we serve through swim lessons, through um, families and adults and our senior population. But what we don't have is a great deal of indoor recreation space. Uh, we don't have any gym space. We don't have a large uh, or, or even a, a serviceable uh, fitness area for individual or group fitness space. We have maxed out the preschool space that we have available. So this bond, if approved by the voters, would bring some of those services, a lot of the programs that we already have, but bring those services to the residents of uh, Sunset Empire Park and Recreation District. Tell me, how did the district conclude that this expansion is necessary? What process did you use? Yeah, this has been about a six or seven year process, actually, that actually uh, predates me. Uh, a few years ago, recognizing that uh, South County didn't have a lot of the services available that would enhance the quality of life for our residents, we began a process of listening to our residents 
Um, and that, that was uh, conducted through some community forums, that was conducted through surveys, but we really wanted to engage with our residents and see if we were to expand our indoor space, what would the space look like, where would it sit, what uh, elements of a recreation center were most important for our residents. And what we heard back overwhelmingly uh, were a couple of things. We heard continue to um, serve the youth of our community. Uh, through the programs that we have. We heard that they really like the space that we're in right now, or at least the physical location uh, of the of the space where we're at, which is all of our um, district activities take place on Broadway, which is right in the heart of Seaside, so kind of in the center of our district. And we heard that residents really wanted uh, indoor gym space and a walking track. So those were the most important things. And so uh, based on that feedback, our board is really... Uh, push this process along in terms of bringing this to be a realistic possibility. A couple of years ago, we started working with an architecture firm, Opsis Architecture out of Portland, and they have designed a lot of recreation facilities and community centers up and down um, the I-5 corridor. They were familiar with uh, our area and they um, designed a building for us that would sit on the, the footprint that we have available of space that featured some of those key elements. Why should voters say yes to this? Uh, I really believe that this will enhance the quality of life for our residents. Uh, there's, like I said, not uh, there's a shortfall of indoor recreation space in South County. And, and it does rain a lot here, it doesn't it? It does rain a lot. And so we need a dry space to go. Our, the, the children that we serve through our youth programming need space to play and to move and to recreate more. Our adults need that space as well. And I think this project will enhance the quality of life through um, providing services, facility that um, can accommodate the entire population that we serve. One last question. How do you respond to critics who say, and I quote from a letter to the editor that appeared in the Daily Historian, I'm sure you saw it, the writer wrote, we don't need bigger. What we do need is better management of the facility and tax dollars we already have. Yeah, I would say uh, in park and recreation programs, like any government agency, we often struggle to meet everybody's specific needs, but we try to serve the greater community at large. And what we're missing right now in South County is that um, is that service to the greater community. We're, we're able to provide programming through the Sunset Pool and its beautiful facility. And I think the vast majority of our patrons are exceptionally happy with the services that we have. But what we're missing is that population that maybe doesn't want to swim or isn't attracted to the facilities that we currently have. So we'd really like to improve those uh, the district is governed by five elected officials that are volunteer, just like on a city council. And those opportunities to serve within the district, um, either as a volunteer or we're always looking for staff are available to people. So I would encourage this uh, person that wrote that letter to look for opportunities to serve and give back to their community and make the district better. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I want to thank my guest, Skylar Archibald, Executive Director of the Sunset Empire Park and Recreation District, for coming into the studio to shed light on this important issue. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. You're listening to a pre-recorded election edition of Perspectives on Coast Community Radio, 91.9 FM Astoria and 89.5 FM Tillamook. I'm Lisa Smith, and so far we've heard from proponents of the bond measures that will be appearing on election ballots in Clatsop County in November. We're going to shift gears slightly and talk about new taxes. Up next is my final guest, Oscar Nelson, co-founder and CEO of Sweet Relief, a family-owned company with cannabis stores in five locations in Oregon. He's here to talk about a proposed tax on marijuana sales in unincorporated Clatsop County and a revision of tax on pot that is currently in force in the city of Gearhart. Welcome to the studio, Oscar Nelson. Lisa, thanks for having me. It's good to have you. 
First, can you tell me a little bit about your company? Yeah, so uh, Gary Riddles and I started our garden store back in 2010, Astori Indoor Hydro and Garden, which at the time was kind of secretly <laughs> uh, set to help people grow medical marijuana. You know, we also help people with vegetables, but it was kind of in a little bit different time back then. And we'd worked uh, worked up and had networked quite a bit with different people. And in 2014, when the law was signed by the governor, we started into the dispensary space. And we started our first shop there, our flagship shop on commercial, and have grown um, to Scapoo, St. Helens, Tillamook, and now Gearheart. Well, let's, that's a good segue into Gearheart. Uh can you let's talk about Gearheart's ballot measure number four one ninety nine, which in essence, as I understand it, would repeal a current ten percent tax on recreational marijuana sales and replace it with a three percent tax, and also would void Gearheart's current five percent tax on mar- medical marijuana. Am I right about this? That is, yeah. So back back when they passed these laws, these taxes, it was a, a, a totally different time, and I was actually a part of some of the city council meetings during that time because we were looking to do something in Gearheart. This was maybe two years this ago. This is before you had your store there, but now you have one. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's been interesting kind of seeing how things have changed. And so when they put these taxes, they there wasn't a statute in place with the recreational measure. This was just the Measure 91 medical measure. A state statute. Correct. Mm-hmm. So once it legalized, there, there was a state statute of 3%, and it had very clear language that a city could not essentially do what Gearhart's doing. So we were kind of in this legal no man's land. Even the city um, attorney said that they would likely not be able to upstand or, or enforce enforce a um, an argument to that law, basically saying if somebody had the wherewithal to do a lawsuit regarding this, that the city likely would not win that case. So fundamentally, you're suggesting that voters vote for this measure. Yes, this is this is the three percent tax to the city. I feel is is a good thing. The ten percent tax on rec and five percent, especially on medical, I feel is was justified in a part, but is um, is not in the the city's best interest overall for what what the law is stating. Right. I think that that you're not allowed. I think that no one's allowed to tax medical marijuana, actually. And so for, to, for them to have levied a 5% tax on it is not in keeping with the state statute, in addition to having a 10% tax on recreational. Yeah. So fundamentally, the voters have to vote this in, don't they? They pretty much do. And I'm kind of walking gently because Gearhart has been very good to me. But what they have on the books is technically illegal. I see. And, yes. and, and in a step further, unenforceable. We're not really pushing the issue because I feel that the correct thing will happen in the end. Uh, and they're in a situation where they're still working off of le- uh, legal language that was placed before the rec language was put in. So they're just a little bit behind the times on their city legal statutes. Uh, the other ballot measure pertaining to marijuana taxation, measure number 4193, would impose a 3% tax on the sale of recreational marijuana items in unincorporated Clatsop County. How do you think the voters should respond in this case? Again, I feel that the city in this place, or in this instance, the county, does deserve the 3%. It's it's not a backbreaker for the retail outlets, and I do feel that this is reasonable. So this would be something I would vote for 
uh, for the unincorporated areas as well. You don't have any stores in unincorporated Clatsop County at this point, do you? Not at this point, no. But you might someday. You never know what the future can hold. Right. And I think it will generate about 50000 or $55,000 per year, I think they're reckoning, for the county. And it's not earmarked for anything yet, but uh, it would be a good amount for the county to have. It could be, yeah, as long as it doesn't just get thrown in the general fund and everybody gets a little raise or something. You know, there's definitely roads and things that this money could be put towards. But in the in the end, it's nice to have that funds going towards infrastructure that then comes and helps people in the unincorporated areas. Because if you are in an unincorporated space, you are a little bit more exposed and having resources going towards the municipality in that area does kind of have a mutual benefit as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. Unfortunately, we need to close here, but I want to thank Oscar Nelson, co-founder and CEO of the Sweet Relief Company, for taking the time to come into the studio to talk about ballot measures 4196 and 4199. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a special election edition of Perspectives on Coast Community Radio, 91.9 FM Astoria and 89.5 FM Tillamook. On today's show, we heard from proponents of the bond measures and proposed marijuana taxes that will be appearing on election ballots in Clatsop County in November. I want to thank my guests for coming into the studio to speak about issues that are near and dear to their hearts. I just spoke with Oscar Nelson, CEO of Sweet Relief, a local company with cannabis stores in five locations in Oregon. Oscar is a proponent of the proposed new marijuana taxes in unincorporated Clatsop County and the city of Gearhart. Clatsop County Sheriff Tom Bergen and Lieutenant Matt Phillips were here to talk about the $20 million bond request that would help move the county jail from Astoria to Warrington. Astoria School Superintendent Craig Hoppus and David Ozer in Astoria School board member and co-chair of the Political Action Committee, Yes for Astoria Kids, were here to discuss the details of a $70 million bond request to improve Astoria's public schools. Warrenton Hammond School Superintendent Mark Jeffrey and School Board Chair Debbie Morrow spoke about the $32.4 million bond, which, if passed, will help the school district ensure student safety while addressing overcrowding and planning for future growth. And finally, Skylar Archibald, executive director of the Sunset Empire Park and Recreation District, joined me to talk about the bond measure which, if passed, will raise $20 million to expand the Sunset Empire Recreation Center in Seaside. Again, thanks to each of them. I'd like to remind all you Clatsop County residents voting on these bond measures that your ballots must be returned to an official ballot drop box located throughout the county or to the Clatsop County Elections Department no later than 8 p.m. on Tuesday, November 6th. Postmarks do not count. You've been listening to Perspectives, which is brought to you in part by a grant from the Clatsop County Cultural Coalition. This special election edition of Perspectives was engineered by Brian Bovenizer. The program is broadcast weekly on the stations of Coast Community Radio. You can also find show podcasts on the station's website at coastradio.org. I'm going to leave you with the Jackson Hole, Wyoming-based band Ben Yarrow's new single, Get Out and Vote. So just do it. Get out and vote. I'm Lisa Smith. Thanks so much for listening. Your name, I'm going
gonna tell your friends, gonna get out and vote. It's a progressive common sense being shoved aside. Gonna get out and vote, they can hit your pride. Get out and vote, get out and vote, get out and vote, gonna get out and vote. Get out and vote, get out and vote, get out and vote, gonna get out and vote. Gonna get out. Get out and vote, gonna get out.